Like, I, I, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Like, more than babies, like, I love this Dracula movie. <laughs> like, if I had to pick babies or this movie, I'd pick this movie. Oh, this movie, 100%. I watched it again today, and I was like, ah, I, you know what? I'm glad I watched this again as an adult. It, Yeah, yeah. I don't think I ever watched it when I was younger. Like, it would have definitely been too sexy. But, like, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? But now, like, yeah, I appreciate it. And, like, this is obviously the... Okay, well, we can start on it and then I'll share. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks both of you for indulging on this uh, little journey back to 1992. Kind of a familiar year for me, uh, not in my memory, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on my birth certificate. No, um, Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992 by uh, director Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, yeah, very fascinating. Uh, topic for discussion, which I think Jody initially brought it up, but this is the Thoughtcast Conversations about Animation, a podcast where we discuss uh, movies and TV and subjects with interesting visual direction. Um, you know, a lot of uh, stuff that we talk about. You know, just it doesn't have to be an animation necessarily, but blockbusters and things that have uh, a unique perspective. Visually, aesthetically, um, metaphysically, <laughs> metaphorically. Thanks for joining me on this one uh, today. I'm Philip Elke, recording in northern Minnesota, joined by uh, you lovely folks down in the great state of Georgia, uh, Jody Pulaski and Bridget. Uh, I don't know how to say your last name still, I don't <laughs> think. but uh... <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> you can say macaroni if you want to. It's totally <laughs> fine. I love it. Um well, anyways, uh, yeah, just uh, keeping things casual as as always. Uh, it's it's our Halloween special. Uh, happy Halloween from the Thoughtcast. How are you guys celebrating the uh, season? I'm like the weird age in between where I'm not like I don't have kids yet to sort of do the kids stuff, but I I'm also not like old enough to like have all the decorations for my house, but I do, I do love the season. I love seeing all the spooky things. I love hearing all the spooky specials. And like this time of year, I try to read spookier books. So I'm reading Frankenstein, but I'm excited obviously next year because then I'll have a kid so I can kind of relive the, the rest of the season, which Bridget, I'm sure you're enjoying right now with year two. Oh, well, Halloween is my favorite holiday. It is my number one favorite holiday. So we go it, before kids. I, I trigger treated until I was 20 and they're like, aren't you a little old? And I'm like, I could be drinking and driving. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> give me candy, please. I dressed up. Um, so yeah, I trick or treat. Well, it's funny. Cause then by 22, I had a baby to take trick or treating. So I was like, ha ha. You had a gap year. You had one yeah. <laughs> I had one year where I went out and partied and then I had a kid nine months later. Uh, so <laughs> So favorite holiday. And then, so yeah, of course my house is decorated. My yard is decorated. We have our inflatables outside. There's spider web everywhere. I didn't knock down any spider webs to put it up though. Original spider webs got to stay. Um, and of course, you know, we've been watching spooky movies, Scarlet, because she's 10. Like we went to Universal. We didn't do the horror movie night. We, we went for her little like fall break thing. It was like on a whim. 
but I'm glad that we didn't take her because they they we went on days that they weren't doing it the horror universal nights because they are technically like for they recommend like 13 and up and I was like I'd hate to take her because she's into spooky stuff right now but I'd hate to take her and it'd be too much and then she's like miserable the whole time so we just skipped that part but we did she did ride the mummy and she absolutely hated it and cried the whole time. So I was like, okay, you know what? Halloween season, scary roller coaster. Wow. So, um, Impressive. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know. I mean, well, she wrote a lot of the other stuff. Just, apparently, roller coasters are just not her vibe, I don't think. Um, she did like the Hagrid motorcycle ride more than the mummy. She didn't cry on that one. So, but she, she wasn't, she liked it. It's but difficult. it was apparently scary. It's difficult when you're not like super roller coastery, but you want to experience these rides because the theming of them, like there's quite a few at different theme parks where it's like, I really don't want to ride it because I'm scared, but I know that I want to see like the animatronics or the different lighting or the sounds that they're going to do with it. So I mm-hmm. wish there was a way to like turn these roller coasters from like a 10 down to like a five once a year <laughs> for people who don't love the intensity, but they want to see it took me, it took me my whole life tried Splash Mountain. I just wrote it for the first time now that they're closing it because I'm just scared of the drop, but I wanted to see the bears and the foxes and the everything else. So yeah, I hope Scarlett learns to love roller coasters. Cause I do think like there's a lot of cool ones out there that I've definitely skipped. Yeah. Well, and she liked, so the Jurassic Park water one where you have the big drop at the end, she loved that. That was not, she liked all of that stuff. I think it's just, you know, when they do the turns on roller coasters and you're kind of like sideways, she didn't like that feeling. And so like, even we did the flight of the hippogriff, which is like a little baby roller coaster and she hated it. So I was like, okay, just not this kind of roller coaster then for you, I guess. Um, But you know, and then we're doing like the normal, like Halloween stuff, like trunk or treats. We have a, her school's fall festival tomorrow that she's like in everything which a child after my own heart, but I'm like, girl, you're too busy. I'm exhausted. <laughs> it comes to uh, all these thrills. I mean, it, it gets complicated. Like if I'm feeling good, I'll take any level of thrill uh, you can throw at me. But sometimes you you mix in all the, the carnival food from the theme parks. And it's just, there's a, yeah, like a compound effect of all the various stimuli that, are you know impacting you at once and it can get a little overwhelming so yeah i understand not enjoying some of these theme park experiences uh (laughs) as much as the intended uh desired uh, you know um the intention what am i saying i'm anyways enough waffling about uh theme parks from me (laughs) i i yeah I don't know. I I wasn't feeling very good this year when I went to visit a theme park and just was not really on board for any of the intense rides like I I usually would be. So I you know, I I'm a bit more forgiving I think of people who aren't into that kind of thing. But uh yeah, I can get a little um physically strenuous. Uh Yeah, well- she had never done it before either. <laughs> so it was like we we learned we we lived and learned. She had a good and, time though. It wasn't too bad. Know, it kind of actually does flow into like the topic of scary movies. Like yeah. there's movies that are just way too intense for me. They're way too scary. But then there's other like horror movies like this, like this gothic romance scary movie that I can just handle like so easily. And I think that's why I lean towards these classic older versions of like 
scariness, like Children of the Corn, The Shining. There's something about the vintageness that sort of protects you from Mm -hmm. the fear. So this movie, even though like, yeah, it's a Halloween movie, like we could also say it's sort of like a Valentine's movie because there's like love story, whatever too. So yeah, I'm not even, I'm not a scary ride person. I'm not a scary movie person, but like there's still horror things that I like like this one mm-hmm. yeah we'll be getting into some spoilers for bram stoker's dracula and you know one thing that's kind of noteworthy i mean it's it's not a super dour movie ultimately like there's a lot it's very intense at times um but it's not almost it, it holds back a little bit in it's kind of lurid depictions of violence and sex um <laughs> It's not like there's no restraint whatsoever. You know, it's it's trying to just get the message across as effectively as possible and not be exploitive or excessive. I mean, these are, are very respectable uh, artists, filmmakers, actors, everyone involved is kind of putting their heart into this film. It's very much an auteur piece from the director uh, Coppola, uh, his follow-up to the third Godfather film. Um, I think some have said it's like his last uh, must-see film as a director. But yeah, renowned director of like uh, Apocalypse Now, Godfather. Um, so uh, definitely worth checking out. Um, and I don't know, some of the stuff is is intense, but I, I think the themes overall make it a little more palatable like it's it's almost i don't know some of some films i like to kind of describe as being of a certain catholic sensibility almost like there's a lot of christian or catholic themes here yeah you get like roman the roman catholic church it's heavy (laughs) in romania (laughs) yeah yeah romania uh, you know, similar with the Godfathers, and and there's a like redemption themes. Um, there's there's ultimately like a positive spirit that's imbued in this film, um, in what could otherwise be just a very kind of somber, dour, gothic story. Perhaps the fact that it is from a more classic era, um, you know, provides it with kind of that sensibility of not wanting to be too oppressive in, in the dark themes. Yeah, because there are a lot of different movie versions of Dracula, Van Helsing, like, and I think this one is the most legendary and also the most like true to the book. And I think maybe because the reason that you said, Philip, like the time it was being made or just the direction they took with it, they just wanted it to be like timeless and they didn't lose the story despite all the other like wild things going on. Like, you're still following this the story of um of, of Dracula and all the all the characters and it's not just like lost in the blood and gore like you could easily just make it like a murdery like red blood type thing but they didn't do that like it's timeless I think well yeah and that's kind of like like when recently we were talking in the chat and someone was like oh I'm watching Saw like I watched Saw like the first like two or three and then they kept making them and I was like okay like this is it's just gore it's not scary it's not spooky it's just gross they're just killing people in gross ways and I'm like yeah I get their puzzles but like I hate stuff like that I'm like this isn't this doesn't do anything for me but like something like this I'm like there's like like, you know substance yeah yeah it's like it's kind of spooky it makes sense 
like they're doing... there's not just like senseless <laughs> things <laughs> happening they're like oh no how how extreme can we get extreme vampires like, like there's like there's a story to it why he's doing what he's doing why they need to kill this guy and i'm like like yeah. and of course because i've i have the novel and i meant to find it and i don't it's in my it's in my um garage in a box of books but i have the novel and so i'm like granted i haven't read it in a long time and it didn't have it didn't actually have the love story so like mina's character that whole like oh she's the reincarnation of his beloved wife who killed mm-hmm. herself that's not in the book that <laughs> didn't happen um so i did like that they kind of added the love story aspect to it because it's like it's, it's like a scary funny. movie yeah it's like a it's a scary it's like scary ish but it's also it's more like spooky i wouldn't even say it's scary but it has it scary moments has an actual story behind it and like you kind of see it progress from there and then at the end you kind of see like the part of the salvation for this like evil character evil and that's what I literally it's evil in quotes on my little notes (laughs) just like you like it starts out with this like guy who I mean he's fighting for the lord he's out there doing his like due diligence to his country and it's like he's sort of even though he's the villain like you he's a victim he's sort of like a fallen angel in a sense like he had true love he had morals and because he like lost these things he sort of like damned himself do you know i don't know if i can say that word but like yeah he like damned oh, sure. himself and that's yeah that, that's, that's a fine word <laughs> to have the bad guy to like sort of be rooting for him and obviously it's sort of like one of those things when you listen to crime podcasts and you hear about children who were like abused as children like you feel bad for them as children but it doesn't make it right if they go on to become like murderers yeah they eventually become serial killers and it's like oh i feel bad for you but i know what you do so maybe i don't right but it makes it just more you know interesting and like you said adding in that long lost love of elizabeth and then having her look like mina or him sort of thinking it's mina reincarnate elizabeth reincarnated that like just adds to his like passion but obviously it's like bad passion i mean yeah like doing anything right it's like an an evil love story that you're rooting for because it's like oh you you don't want her to die to be with him you want her to be with parker but it's like but do you because they're kind of boring together when she could be with this cool vampire guy who honestly gary oldman in this era he was 34 i was like i've never looked at gary oldman and been like yeah i'd tap that but him is a hot young dracula he was amazing. I, I, I would entertain him. I would also want to be a vampire. I'd be like, okay, and I want this to, is fine. I'm curious, like, why he doesn't stay. Like, he, obviously, he has the ability to sort of switch ages from like a young man to like a decrepit uh, creep in a castle. And I sort of like wonder. I was like, man, why doesn't he stay his 34 year old self? I don't know, if, or 30, whatever his age is supposed to be, his youthful self. But I'm wondering if it takes his energy his like power like if he needs blood to yeah, stay that's funny. young yeah he's, he's but, like in well, a that's... cocoon in when he's in the boxes on the ship yeah i think the ship is like when he's rejuvenating himself uh and i did see that movie last voyage of the demeter uh that kind of fleshes out that seg- segment of the novel uh did you jody ever check I that out i have not seen yeah. it i am dying to see it and even in the book they don't go into a lot of detail about what happens as they're crossing over to london 
-hmm. So you're allowed to do spoilers, but I still I still really hope to see that one because it's like kind of the blank space. And like Bridget said, the book is sort of written in like diary entries and like journal entries. So yeah. you get a lot of one person's perspective. So I really, yeah. I kind of want to be surprised about the movie you're referring to. I still haven't seen it though. Well, we bad. do, yeah. We get voiceover. I haven't seen it either. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, Anthony Hopkins provides voiceover as the ship captain uh, of the Demeter. And, and so many different scenes are um, presented from the, uh, you know a different character's perspective. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's borrowing from the format of the novel itself um what's the the doctor character jack um seward i think is one of the primary like his notes serve as a significant body of the novel text um yeah uh richard e grant jack seward um i mean harker i'm, I'm assuming these names i haven't read the book um i'm assuming they've yeah, kept harker a lot is of these the keanu reeves character from the book as well yeah yeah uh jonathan harker amina harker elisabetta uh gary uh did did uh did he go as prince vlad like what was his alias when he was in um london do you remember it was prince vlad of like selvik or okay. something but yeah he was prince sure. vlad of something he didn't go by like count dracule or anything uh, but yeah, he, he was Prince Vlad. Yeah, the I which mean, and his they real actually, name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they never actually say that he's like Vlad the Impaler. Mm -hmm. It's just like implied a yeah. lot. Because you know, <laughs> and they and they've done that. Yeah, they've done that in like the Dracula retelling that had um Luke Evans as Dracula. Oh, like they sure. were like, This is Vlad the Impaler. But in this one, it's just like you see him impaling people and they're like, yeah, his name is also Vlad. That's it, though. Funny We're not giving you anything else. <laughs> yeah, There's the, lots of lads here. The great sequence in the beginning, the sort of it's evocative of uh, shadow puppetry. Uh, there's definitely shadow puppets being used for some of the characters in that sequence. Um, the, the very impressionistic battle scene, the um, uh, the Ottomans kind of invading uh, Constantinople and uh, let's see you have Prince Vlad he's uh, or he's gone let's see was he known as Prince Vlad when he Vlad <laughs> when he uh, went to defend the the empire um, but yeah he's fighting for the church um, basically and uh you know returned home once uh oh well he returned home victorious basically mm -hmm. in according to this but um to only discover that Elizabeth had uh received oh, work <laughs> yeah she she was told that he had fallen in battle and and yeah so all these things that are conducted in a in in sort of the throes of passion, her killing herself, him renouncing God, <laughs> stabbing the crucifix and produce it, you know, spouting blood. <laughs> wow. I mean, talk about evocative. <laughs> Someone who uh, it was because he shared such a kinship with with God, having served him to such a degree, you know, to such an intimate 
you know, like going to the point of um, slaying soldiers in the battlefield, impaling them <laughs> with the with the pike and uh, and then coming back and discovering his dead bride and then cursing God in, in this um, in this heat of uh, just extreme, extreme emotion that he's, uh, you know, that, that's inflicting him. So yeah, yeah it's, it's very it's, like Shakespeare-esque how people, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously you think of Romeo and Juliet with the girl, you know, killing herself, but just like the way that these people act out upon their emotion so strongly and so boldly without what seems to be like a second thought, it reminds me of all of Shakespeare's stuff because it's like they see it, the person they love like walking in the other direction they're like that's it i'm jumping off a bridge or i'm starting a duel or something like that um but and then he comes to find out that i and she's not reincarnated he just thinks she this mina girl a hundred years later or what, what how much 400 years later yeah i mean uh, it, it yeah could it's be. four yeah. centuries yeah, yeah. 400 years later looks like it looks like her love. and I mean is that his they never really say like he says he's going to London to like purchase property I was he but he was gonna do that anyway without Mina right like he yeah go to London no matter what and then Mina was just like this little cherry on top yeah because it was well it all started because Renfield who was the other guy um the other lawyer real estate man uh he was the one who had like gone crazy he had been there and Mm -hmm. basically Dra dracula had drove like driven him nuts and that's how harker ended up getting sent there because they're like hey you need to seal the deal so i think maybe he was just moving to london to like fresh meat maybe hunting ground start yeah. a new life yeah and then it just so happened because that's what he says when he sees her picture and he's like oh is it fate is it destiny that you would be here and i would see this and that this is my elizabeth reincarnated and that's honestly something i wondered because eventually after they've spent time together she like knows things like she knows about like what transylvania looks like and she knows about like she starts remembering things and like how the wife had like thrown herself even that was something that confused me she like threw herself into the river and she's in the the river of sadness but she also stabbed herself so i'm like did she stab herself and now she's in the river of sadness and death i was very confused about that part but so I'm like, is he, because of course he's Dracula, he can do psychological manipulation. Mm -hmm. I'm like, is him hoping that she is this like reincarnate? Is it him putting this stuff into her head? Or does she just so happen to be four centuries later, some like weird ancestral reincarnation of this chick? Well, another question that pops up that's similar to that is like the the Anthony Hopkins character, Van Helsing. Is he not the same actor that plays the priest? at the very beginning of the 1400s and then it sort of makes you wonder it's like is there a chance Van Helsing has been like reborn time and time again to chase down Dracula like what why would they use the same actor I mean obviously they had to they had a budget to have multiple actors so like they, <laughs> they chose very clearly to have the priest from the 1400s be Van Helsing in the 1800s and it sort of makes me wonder like maybe these people have lived like multiple lives and they're sort of like yeah, all tied together by fate. Mm -hmm. larger yeah. than life kind of figures uh destiny who have been battling throughout the ages or their paths have been intersecting i mean uh, it's sort of 
trying to communicate that there are just larger um, forces at play. The fates are weaving a grander story than these uh, characters can you know, be conscious of themselves. Yeah. yeah. And I think, well, and I know, like, so with the, like, the background of, like, a Van Helsing character, is it typically the Van Helsings, as long as vampires have been alive, through the generations, they have sought out to kill vampires? Because I've always been Team Vampire. When it was, like, Team Vampire. Yeah. Like, Team Vampire, Team Werewolf, I was always Vampire. So, (laughs) I know a lot about Van Helsing, surprisingly. But, yeah, it was, like, ancestrally, they would, like, pass it down through their children. They'd all be vampire hunters. And I think eventually, right. like, yeah, in the movies, it, like, morphs to more monsters, but mostly vampires. Right, because he seems to have no trouble just kind of, like, accepting the supernatural as natural. And there's no real, like, hesitation or, like, embarrassment of this when he's, like, sharing the news with everyone else and kind of explaining everything to them. Well, he had a whole and- book that was, like, locked that said vampire. And I was like, <laughs> you seem way too familiar with this. And Anthony Hopkins did the best. I don't know if this was before or after he did Silence of the Lambs, but he is just, I mean, this whole cast is like star-studded. I mean, I will say, I everyone says this, Keanu Reeves, his like accent is kind of <laughs> bad, but the whole cast to me is like pretty much perfect, um, including Anthony Hopkins, obviously. So Silence of the Lambs was 91. Oh, so it was right before this then. Wow, mm-hmm. he was on this like crazy trajectory. I'm assuming, I mean, obviously Dracula, this movie is still popular now, but I'm assuming when it came out, it was very popular too. Cause I know there was like little video games that came out after it. And I, so. Well, I yeah. read that. They, they knew they had like the, the cast yeah. was stars, like established stars. These weren't like up and coming really. Like they were already had yeah. names for themselves. Like Keanu, Keanu Reeves had like he I think he was fresh off of like Bill and Ted's adventure movie and so Mm -hmm. they actually thought because like of course this movie has always been like popular and people thought it was good but because his accent was so bad he like apparently people were worried that this would kind of like trip him up a little bit (laughs) because it wasn't that good um but of course I mean obviously he was fine but apparently um I was reading that Francis Ford Coppola the reason that he kind of got into the vampire scene was because of interview with a vampire. Apparently that like reignited people's interest in vampires. And he liked Bram Stoker's Dracula. And he was like, we should do a Dracula movie. And so that's where the idea came from. But apparently the script had been in the work since like the seventies. From Yeah. I mean, it's another writer. A lot of people probably consider. I also read that when they were um, considering who was supposed to play Harker, they like considered Johnny Depp. And then they're like, oh, he's not like a heartthrob enough. Like we need Keanu Reeves. Hmm. He would have killed that accent. He would have had it hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Well, uh, yeah, Depp and Ryder, you know, they, they were a couple probably at this time. I don't know. Famous. The only thing I think of in reference to them as a couple is like i guess he has a tattoo that says wino forever he got it modified from winona forever well yeah (laughs) so they did edward scissorhands in 1990 yeah yeah they were they had already been like boyfriend and girlfriend and stuff yeah um makes sense i'm I'm glad it went to keanu i i mean especially in context of today it's like uh well 
not seeing as much Johnny Depp around isn't isn't so much of a bad thing. <laughs> well, I mean, look, look at Keanu. He just ends up like they're like, you know what? He just ended up being an all around nice person, and he's yeah. still mm-hmm. nice. And I'm like, I love that for him. But did you know that they technically, like in the in the eyes of the Roman Catholic Church, they are married. Yeah, or the Orthodox. <laughs> it was like a Greek Orthodox was, or yeah, something. I, yeah, but yeah, because uh, they got married in the church that they by, actually like, uh, filmed stateside. A f- uh, actual priest, yeah, was mm-hmm. conducting the the scene, uh, the cer- you know, the marriage ceremony in the scene. Well, um, yeah, it was kind of a funny little tidbit that you know certainly legally has no bearing, but the two of uh, Winona and Keanu will jokingly refer to each other as husband and wife sometimes if they happen to run into each other so that's kind of well, yeah yeah well I, he like he'll get like a text message from her that just says hey husband or something <laughs> like that and i'm like i love yeah. that for them yeah you know it's like oh you know what 30 years later what's up husband mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean his career's gone through some some lulls but it's um it was just so rapid fire at the time of this film that he was pretty exhausted i think at times i mean fitting for for this character (laughs) yeah yeah for her i'm sure as well and she had some uh exasperating you know moments on the set of this as well old men was kind of difficult to work with i mean he was he tried to stay in character he was kind of doing method Mm -hmm. for this performance um you can see in some of the behind the scenes material like he he gets a little testy he's not always you know, arch um, inflecting like Dracula. You know, he's got the crazy accent, which is I, I appreciate the accent work in in this. I mean, you can't really fault anyone's accents in this movie because they're all just kind of shooting from the hip. I feel uh, Keanu yeah, Reeves. All over the place. <laughs> well, and Harker. I mean, he's trying to elevate his status. Um, as this real estate um, representative and you know he's and that's kind of a the sort of vocation that's you know a commonplace for people you know wanting to raise their station in life to uh to try to excel in and he's he's perhaps you know trying to cover up like a working class accent and yeah we could yeah, go with that i love great, that plot of yeah. like an explanation yeah, for sure. And I mean, well, the thing about him that's like so endearing too that you see past it, like more so even than Johnny Depp, like when the hair is in his eyes and he's just kind of like, there's a little puppiness about him that's sweet and cute. And that's why, well, that's, and that's kind of like why you like, you want to root for like this, like old love story of, you know, forgotten lost love. But then you're like, oh, but look, look at him. He's so cute and he's not dead and he doesn't kill people. Yeah, he doesn't care. His hair is turning white for some reason, but it's not at the end of the movie. I know. Very like (laughs) Elsa and Anna. I was like, what's going on with his heart? But he, um, the one thing I also like wrote is like when Mina starts to become swayed and sort of fall for the Count or for Vlad, it's like she's pretty much raped though because it seems like he sort of possesses her and like emotionally and I was gonna ask Bridget maybe like what you thought of it just like as a girl like 
it's obviously she's like falling for him but she's like under a spell so it's sort of like abusive and really bad the second time I watched it I started thinking about that in terms of it the first time I was like oh she's torn between two men like the notebook like she has her fiance and she also has her like childhood love but then the toxic lover like like, this is kind of actually like very yucky if you want to think of it in that terms so I don't know if you guys had any thoughts about that like with how she was seduced or like not even seduced but really taken advantage of well, yeah, it's like, it wasn't, it's manipulation. And like, and like, if you look at it from like Dracula's point of view, and he's like, oh, like, she's my lost love. And she, she needs to remember how she loved me and felt about me. And so, and because he can do like psychological manipulation. And that's what I was saying about all her memories that she was having. Well, I'm like, are those actually like things that she's recalling from some weird past life? Or is he just putting this stuff in her head? And he just has convinced himself because he wants her to be Elizabeth that she is remembering this stuff without him telling her, but she's actually like, you know, getting it from his own thoughts. Um, I'm going to go with So yeah, it's like definitely like, yeah, like it it depends on how you look at it. It's like, is he being a vampire who can just manipulate people? It's probably being really gross. And honestly, (laughs) I was, I had to look it up because I was like, Winona Ryder looked so, so young. So in this movie, she was only like 20. And he, in real life, Oldman was 34. And I was like, it's funny though, because he's so young. Like I see him now and stuff. And I'm like, oh, he's so old because he's like 65. But I was like, that's weird. He's like 14 years older than her and she's only 20. But I'm like, but you know, I got to look past it because he's like decades old, like century old vampire in this movie. So I guess it's fine. But yeah, there, there was like some parts that I was like, if you look too deeply, like it's icky. But yeah. if you just like base level it, it's like, okay, this is fun. <laughs> there, There's, I guess, clearly intended to be some amount of genuine love that she feels. And perhaps that's transferred from whatever aspect of Elizabeth is indwelt within Mina. Um, if she's a sort of... Um, you know, the reincarnation or, um, you know, the fact that Vlad or Dracula is so drawn to her means that there is a connection genuinely between the two. Um, And I'm sure his influence on her would only accentuate her connection to that um, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth's soul. Um. And she's so pure and pure of heart. There might be like this part of her that can see the goodness inside of him, the fallen angel inside of him. Like she's just so much more innocent, especially when you put her side by side with her bestie, Lucy. Like Lucy, (laughs) she's so fun to me. Like her spirit that like gone with the wind, Scarlet kind of like so many suitors, like so little time. Like I'm so bored, but like she's also you know feeding into it i lucy's one of my favorite characters yeah she has like four yeah. boyfriends yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, she, the... so mina in comparison just is like the kind heart and then lucy's like here look at this book i'm gonna show you all these dirty things i don't know <laughs> well and lucy was also rich and so it's probably also <laughs> the fact that she had station and money so she mm-hmm. had the opportunity to be a little more fast and loose and sassy yeah where Mina, she kind of had to like, you know, kiss people's ass and stuff to get where she is. 
mm-hmm. because she doesn't have money in station at least not at the same level as someone like Lucy. So Lucy's like, yeah, I can do it ever. And I'm pretty. So like, they all love me and they will all just like take whatever I give them. Yeah. So I, on the subject of manipulation um, and coercion, you know, it's, I I don't think um, Dracula was necessarily coercing Nina when he was in his, you know, youthful princely form. Um I mean, a little bit, but, you know, I, th- I think there was a lot of genuine, you know, love or romance that you know, was allowed to, um, to to germinate between the two of them. Um, and then only kind of once you get more into the vampiric qualities of their dynamic and, and especially with um, Vam- uh, Drac and Lucy. I mean, that's oh. all purely, you know, that's, you want to talk about rape. I mean, uh, yeah, he was <laughs> wild and controlling. Out. Yeah. <laughs> she was well, like, I can't control my body. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. And I'm like, man, uh, that sounds like date raped. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, even when you go back to the beginning when um, Harker was visiting the castle and he's the going brides, to the, the female, yeah, the female vampires, the brides or whatever, like, that's also one of those situations where like obviously there's a lust factor and they do these scenes actually like very amazing like I think they do such this movie's so good so iconic but but like he's also in a situation where it's like yeah obviously lust is taking hold of his body but his brain is like no and I'm like well that's but I think like you said sort of you have to kind of like coast through it because that's like the storyline and and these these creatures are evil evil um things of darkness but yeah. Oh, yeah. And they have the ability to like manipulate people and their emotions. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when Lucy comes back as a vampire and she's talking, I think it's to Quincy. She's like, come here, come and kiss me. And he, you can see it like on his face. He starts to get dazed and he's like, no, back you witch. <laughs> Van oh. Helsing pops in and he's like, no, you witch, get back in your thing. I was watching a little bit about the behind the scenes and um, when they were storylining this, I guess like artists made like a thousand images trying to like set the mood and the tone for the director that they could agree on so everyone was on the same page or whatever but he really really didn't want any like super modern special effects any of like the current cgi blah 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 so when lucy's like going back into her little um casket they just like rewound the footage like it, yeah it's it stuff old school <laughs> Philip, you spoke about the Great. shadows like they did a lot of like double exposure things but the director was very like adamant that he's like we gotta we're gonna stick to what we know old school like I don't want to see any computer generation anything in this and it it works so well the projectors with the eyes and I think it's so awesome it's it's wild yeah I I, liked all the shadow all the shadow effects where the shadow is doing something else can you imagine if that was your role like, like Bridget you've been cast as the shadow and like your job is just to create these shadows behind every- <laughs> everyone I'm like heck yeah I'm having a great time back here don't worry it's guys <laughs> and it works so well I mean you watch it now what is it 2023 and it works I mean obviously there's some things that are like a little cheesy but like with Dracula even if you use the most modern technology there's going to be some things that are a little cheesy but if you go back and watch movies like Stephen King like Children of the Corn there's some scenes where he tries to use CGI made around the same period you know early 90s and you watch it and you're like ugh. well like so watch it 
like yeah. the original it there's some like when he becomes like the the stupid alien thing and i was like what is happening this is stupid why did it end like this <laughs> you should have done shadows you should have done shadows like they yeah. did honestly because it it really helps it stay legendary in my opinion yeah it's, it's not a lot of scenes because they did do everything so practically you know uh, very little optical work even um I, I guess i don't know they say everything's in camera except for the the one blue uh glow effect yeah. um <laughs> the fire the, the those uh the gates outside the castle it almost seems as if it's like some kind of force field protecting the castle but in, from the book i guess those flames all they are is like a a demarcation of locations of treasure and then you know and vlad's henchmen will mark those locations with stones and then come back during the daylight to to claim the treasure or something that, that that's the, apparently the significance from from the actual book i don't know if that rings a bell bridget but, uh no that's why it's been a minute <laughs> since i read it but i don't remember that part that's okay. what i was like i remember watching that i when i watched it earlier i was like what is this it's, effect it's that's cool, happening here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks very like 80s um, visual yeah. effects, you know, kind of vintage. And like there's that morphing effect at the very end when um, Dracula's redeemed, turning young again. And he it goes through like three different phases. Uh, um, and I don't know. I, I love that effect as much as you would never use it nowadays. And maybe it's just nostalgia, but I feel like I much prefer seeing something like that to, you know, your conventional, just obvious CGI um, shaping and molding, you know, of wireframe effects in a computer. You know, there's none of that here. And it's it's just kind of great that it's just, you know, it's always so noticeable when you see it in films because most of the time when it's used, there's very little other way you could go about accomplishing that kind of effect. You know, no matter how real they try to make it, it always tends to look a little artificial, a little plastic, you know, a little, uh, a little too shiny. But here, everything is just, it's very much, it feels in universe. It feels tactical, uh, tactical, tactile. Uh, um, uh, this is a real tactical set, It's a guys. tactical film. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> fun fight choreography here, too. Like, it is not a ton of over-the-top stunts or, um, you know, visually effects, visual effects augmented um, action sequences like you'd see in a lot of modern action fit well like in you know morbius or in mm -hmm. voyage that mean like one thing with like the um film with a much more modern sensibility like the demeter film i feel like there are scenes where the camera's flying all over the place there's just a lot of chaos and frenzy and uh you, you know you never really you know get a grounded sense of um you know your your geography because you can just put the camera wherever you want it to be yeah right. well that's like with uh a lot of the camera work that they did because i did notice that in like in between scenes they would do a lot of like it would cut away and it's just like random random animals random plants with like spooky <laughs> yeah. music spooky lighting and i was like 
I'm like, it goes with the movie. Uh, but I was reading about one of the effects that they did. Because of course, it was like, you know, they did everything in camera. They didn't do any like CGI really. Um, but the shaving scene between Dracula and Harker, mm-hmm. apparently while he is shaving Harker, they had the walls moving in slowly to slowly cause this like a this feeling of claustrophobia. So then by the time that Dracula like sees the cross, he's like, eh, and runs away. But it's like they would like purposely did it like that so that the people watching would be like, ah, I don't like this. What so a that was another fun thing. effect. Yeah, yeah, they were like, this they, is a weird stitch. There are moments of like forced perspective. I don't know if that's what you call it, but that's such a good example. I didn't realize that's what they were doing there. But now that you say it, I'm like, oh yeah. And you know, you have to think those things out so thoroughly. You don't just start filming and go, you know what? Let's have these walls move. I give you a lot of credit for the time they took prior to filming. And they're like, I want Harker to be super uncomfortable the whole time. (laughs) And it works. It, It gives the audience that opportunity to also be feeling like, okay, you're getting a little too close. Like this is getting a little awkward. I mean, the second some random dude offered to finish my shave after he broke my mirror, I'd be like, I'm okay, actually. You know what? You said I should grow a beard. I agree. I'm done, actually. I'm not going <laughs> to shave beard. anymore. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm bringing it back. I know it's like whatever year, 14 something or whatever. I'm good. Yeah. That, I'll keep it. <laughs> that relationship definitely escalates rather quickly at, at certain points um, to where, yeah, clearly Dracula can't be trusted. Uh, you know, there's there has to be a little bit of consent on the part of the victim you know you have to choose to walk over the threshold you know lucy i know she kind of liked her romantic dalliances and so you know part of her was into i think some of the i don't know idea the yeah the risk involved uh but um you know (laughs) clearly the the whole vampiric ethos is is just it's so overwhelming it's it's just so um all consuming and ravenous it's like it's fascinating it's no wonder that um it's driven so many um you know creative artists to to sort of iterate on the subject uh and for me it's it's very like um it's like going back to the sensory experiences of theme parks, you know, it's almost a little too uh, sensational in, in a lot of, you know, if I think about it too much, like <laughs> the this yeah. being down for eternity and having it be totally beyond your control. It's like, I, I hate the idea of just being so out of control that I'm just fallen prey to this this torture and this torment of either, you know, the vampire's allure of, or being the vampire, you know, yourself, uh, you know, having gotten a, a bit of a, a, a milder dose of this with like, e- even having seen the twilight series, like I watched <laughs> the twilight movies because I was also listening to a it podcast. Yeah. Well, a you podcast, I didn't era. watch them as they came. I was, <gasps> I oh, very... I read them all, and then I watched them all when they came out when I was in high school. <laughs> Those Existentially were the books like, you wouldn't put down until like 4 a.m. Like, you're like, I need to know. Yeah. Because you read it, and you're like, I am Bella. Yeah, well, plot twist, I was Team Jacob. I'm usually Team oh. Vampire, but I was like, Edward sucks. 
he's like emotionally unavailable and kind of a jerk. You well, can have this nice, warm, furry guy. <laughs> the thing about Dracula is he also can turn into like a wolf, right? So you can have the best of both yeah. worlds here. Yeah, like and in that one, he because well, he's like he's like the well, I don't know that he's necessarily like a whole werewolf, but he can control like because he can control beasts, and I guess werewolves are not like a thing in this. It's a gray area, world. I think. Yeah, I don't know. And, and so it's like he's just like a beast of some kind. I don't know that he's necessarily oh. a werewolf. I, I didn't know. know. I was like, he kind of looks like a bat wolf. Yeah. Like, and I I, that's what he said. He's like, oh, we have so much to learn from beasts. And I was like, yeah, yeah he's, you look he's kind of weird like that. Yeah. I mean, a lichen perhaps um, yeah. does apply in this case. And there are probably werewolves in this world. They're just a slight deviation, you know, a standard deviation away from the yeah, vampire. Not hot furry <laughs> wolves like in Twilight. So yeah, I I just bring up Twilight because of its. Well, only I only saw Twilight because a podcast was doing commentary tracks, so I watched them with commentaries. Uh, but even then, like, there's the nagging feeling of. Ooh, this these characters, you know, is this uh, <laughs> this is so kind of lurid in a way or it's so I guess the, the reason why I think people find that relationship so compelling is is because it's forbidden. It's taboo. It's, you know, that um, alluring sense of um, of risk or thrill <laughs> i guess yeah well yeah. it's like because vampires are always like lusty and sexy like i watched true blood back in the day and that's like their whole shit it's like oh they're sexy but they're dangerous and oh and they they could rip you apart but they could also just love you and i'm like <laughs> yeah but they can also like manipulate you into like you actually liking them and like being down to like get your blood drank forever and possibly becoming this like damned creature for the rest of your life but you'll be hot while you're doing it like you'll be a hot immortal um so yeah I think I think you're right it's like it's like taboo and like they're technically evil but they're also like hot and lusty and dangerous and well, so it's like intriguing I guess it's kind of in the same vein like no pun intended but in the same vein, you hear mm -hmm. about people who choose to like cheat or have affairs. And then once they're like allowed to pursue that person, whether like they've gone through their divorce or whatever, they like have permission, the allure of that affair or like this, like it was not to downplay. There's no chase. It, it was like the scandal of it that was so addictive or whatever. You know, you hear about people who go through these things in their relationships and it's like they look back on it and they're like, I actually was just like going for another person, but it wasn't even that person. It was the texting behind the back or, or whatever people do now to like cheat, I guess, text. <laughs> it, was, it was the danger. It was like, or yeah, the, like, the, the thrill danger. of like almost getting caught, but not getting caught, having a secret. Right. And so vampires are very much like that because you're like, I really shouldn't, but I should, but yeah. I shouldn't. They're hiding in the dark and you're like, yeah. this is spooky. Don't bite me. My dad says no, but like here I am. <laughs> <laughs> my dad said I shouldn't date a man who's a hundred something years old but like it's cool you're technically a teenager yeah <laughs> it's that deceptive appeal of, of sin and like the whole catholic thing of shame and guilt you know and but still that uh human quality that we share that often 
you know, binds us privy to these kinds of impulses. Um, and well, and yeah, think... continue. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I think what you said about shame, it's mm-hmm. like creatures like vampires, they don't have rules. They can mm-hmm. do whatever. They can, you know, eat their fill. They can drain people of blood. They can, you know, stay up all night and do miscellaneous things with strangers in a garden. Mm-hmm. Like they steal can babies. do stuff like yeah still babies and eat them like like, totally cool still children and there's like there's no rules so there's no shame and so yeah like I think it is like you know the taboo and the shame and it's like they don't have those constructs because they're these like demons of the night who stalk around and just be hot and sexy and thirsty I guess and so yeah I think that's why it's like so appealing to people and these stories will stick around forever because as long as there's like rules and like structure and expectation we're going to want to like read stories about people who are like tempted or people who, you know, are, are crossing that line the way Bella and Edward do and stuff like that. So that's, but they're they're the good ones. They don't drink people blood. So they're the good ones. (laughs) They, they, they have their own roles, but they're like less than ours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, The, yeah. uh, Chafing against constraints and, having that be you know more attractive than doing something virtuous uh, as our purpose and and being attracted to things that are of the light <laughs> rather than the dark you know it's i don't know yeah life is complicated so we tend to go through phases of yeah wanting to to break beyond the expected boundaries um of of polite society um and and yeah the halloween is a time where we sort of uh acknowledge that sensibility especially Um, right you sort of let your brain not expect but sort of like explore things like mm -hmm. i don't there's you know people out there who think halloween is very like dangerous when it comes to you know your religion or your your faith but Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of like cool. I mean, during this time, I just listened to a podcast about like the Salem witch trials and it sort of makes you curious about witchcraft, you know, things like that. Not that you necessarily want to adopt those things into your life, but Halloween definitely is a time where these things become more like front and center, you know, not dragons, not Dracula. (laughs) Like it is sort of like a time of year where you look at the like, yeah, the supernatural and almost like, accept it as reality for mm. a bit and i mean i down in the south i feel like there's a lot more like controversy but maybe you see that up in the north too philip i don't know we had a few kids in our class who didn't celebrate because they're worried you know you're opening up your heart to mm. spirits or something like that but i think Halloween's oh, yeah. really cool. you get to explore these traditions these old stories these i mean essentially dracula is almost like a weird creepy fairy tale so you get to hear this lore and legend and yeah i i really like it for that sense and then we go to Christmas where everything's pure and bright so well and that's like well and if you think about it there's a lot of cultures like so my great-grandmother she was Hispanic she was Mexican and so there are parts of my family who celebrate Dia de los Muertos on November Mm -hmm. 1st and so there's a lot of cultures like also like Irish cultures and some like they obviously they do like Sam Wayne and all that but that like this air like a lot of people if they're like more spiritual they believe that this time frame of the year is when the spiritual veil is thin. And so it is a time that people like, you know, deceased loved ones and things will cross over 
to visit. And it's like, yeah. And that's why people, they'll leave like, they'll have an ofrenda and they have their pictures up so you don't forget them. And they put out their favorite food. So when they come back from the afterlife, they're like, if they're hungry, they can eat and they can visit and see you. And then they go back before the veil, I guess, thickens back up. So there's a lot of cultures outside of religion that do that. And that's honestly sort of refreshing because especially at least in the culture that I'm in and like the religion I grew up in is like death is sort of like not like a taboo topic but it's definitely not like a happy topic and that there are cultures out there that you know openly celebrate loss like honestly or like you know they the, Mm -hmm. the memory of and they keep it alive and they bring these people up and they they cherish it that that's really refreshing and I mean I think in American culture it's a lot more rare like when someone passes away it's almost like you don't ever want to bring up that person again, even if it's been like two weeks, because you don't want to stir uh, up bad feeling. It's you unfortunate. Know? Yeah. It is unfortunate. It's, and it's like yeah. maybe we need to keep looking at these other cultures and adopt a healthier viewpoint. I'm not saying we got to leave food out at the back door, but there's something <laughs> nice about that. No, there's something super great yeah. about that. And and yeah, I mean, this is the time of year where maybe kids do learn about these things in school a little bit or talk about how other cultures see death and evil bad things too it's like you know witches weren't always bad like you hear a lot of those women those salem women like they were giving other women herbs to like heal yeah them. like they, they were like healers and midwives and they were like no 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 no. you're a witch because you're not a man and a doctor so yeah yeah down into the river you go mary please <laughs> i know i oh, also recently- i guess she wasn't a witch yeah <laughs> she, oh she my god a witch after all <laughs> Oh, we are. We that? handed her a burning rod, and she burned. She must be the devil woman. <laughs> and with men, yeah, I, with vampires, it's like, oh, let's just see how he reacts to garlic. We don't need to drown him, but like, let's just see if this garlic does what we need. Well, I thought it was funny that Harker had the he had the crucifix on, and the, the women were just like, ha, 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 melt away. And it's like, <laughs> ah, yes, this is Romania. That doesn't work here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. it's not yeah the uh, perfect uh calculus as to you know why certain religious symbols you know they'll have an effect at certain times and and not others and yeah it's it's all just highly variable according to the the context the um situation circumstance you know it's it, human beings like yeah we will go through i don't know vacillations of extreme passion extreme reaction to things and other times go through periods of complacency and and apathy um and i don't know we i think too often don't really have a a great balance of the the two like yeah we can be a, a bit bipolar in a way i um in in reference especially to like this the grieving process over a loved one you know we've lost you know we can still celebrate the fact that we have these the, the memories that they they've had a legitimate impact on the world and on our lives without um just being distraught at the fact that they're no longer here um, there, there should be perhaps, yeah, uh, you know, or perhaps a time like Halloween should be a reminder that, um, you know, we don't have to be so sensitive about certain things and, and perhaps be a bit more curious. Um, yeah, death is really scary and losing someone's really like horrible. So if we could find some type of middle ground this time of year to like discuss it and be open about it, that would be 
Yeah. That's kind of I think, I, what I was trying to say, but you phrased it a lot better. Yeah. When I think it can also, at least I know here in the South, I think a lot of it also ties back to religion. Cause I, I too have, like, I knew people who didn't celebrate Halloween. They don't go trick or treating. They don't dress up. They don't do any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because in Christianity it's like, when you die, you go heaven or hell. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, if you're still, if you're, if your spirit is still on earth floating around then something's wrong. Whereas in other cultures, it's like, oh, well, you know what? They go to an afterlife, this life after life, like you die and you go to another life. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, so they can come back and it's not a big deal. And so I do think that like religion does tie a bit into it with other cultures and like how it works. So like Mm -hmm. here, it's like, oh no, like people, they pass on and that's it. They go to another place. They don't come back. And if they're still here, that's a problem. And so I think with other cultures, they're like, oh, well, like, yeah, when it's, you know, it's thin enough for them to pass through, they'll come back and visit to check on us and make sure we're good. And then they'll go back. And so I think that's also like where I guess it's kind of like, you know, goes back to the taboo. It's like, oh, no, no, no. People should not be coming back. They passed on. That's it. They're gone. (laughs) They shouldn't be back. Yeah, They have to be gone. (laughs) Black and white people wanting to be uh, just broad strokes, everything. And it's just the the reality is a lot more complicated. Dealing purely in absolutes, it, it creates a lot of dissonance and a lot of just ultimately, um, fatigue i think for people because uh, you just yeah, van can't... helsing said it oh yeah what did he say exactly well he was he was like he was like you can't he's like you're a man of science you have to know that it's not like we're not dealing with absolutes that there are things outside of the things we can like fathom oh yeah that's paraphrasing but he says that and he's like yeah like yeah you're a man of science so you know that there are things that we don't know so it's not like with that like out of the realm of possibilities that there's some supernatural being who sucked all her blood out of her. Mm -hmm. But there's a certain arrogance that lends people to think that, um, you know, they, they do know all the absolute answers and they're absolutely correct about certain uh, concepts. You know, I don't know. It's good to have convictions and principles, but uh, also, one must realize that, you know, they are the sole arbiter of their own opinions. Uh, <laughs> opinions are like <laughs> buttholes, you know, <laughs> everyone has. <laughs> um, but if I they do... don't, then they're full of it. <laughs> I do wonder, though, so like, obviously the way this movie wraps up is Dracula is able to sort of like ask for forgiveness and we realize that like he will essentially get to go to heaven like that's his absolute ending but with vampires who don't end on a good note with god or however you know he was able to get this forgiveness like when vampires are killed do they just cease to exist like lucy like is lucy because I mean, they make well, a big deal about like, oh, Dracula, he's like going to go on and have, you know, he's been forgiven going on. But like with Lucy, I mean, like, are we to assume that she goes to hell or she just ceases well, existing? I can't Van remember. Van Helsing was like, we're going to save her soul. So I think how they killed her and then got rid of her, because I think they burned her, they like, you know, they, they stabbed her, decapitate her. And then I think they burned her body and then like buried the head or something like that. And so that he was like, we're going to do this in a way to save her soul. Because I guess what it is, is that like your soul is like trapped as a vampire. And once you're killed, it like releases your soul. So like that, that's what, what I gather. I imagine like, like the spell of the vampire is still 
inflicting you um, until you've had this procedure done, your head's been severed, and then your spirit's perhaps more free to escape. (laughs) Yeah, to go away. But And I think that's kind of what they they did with Dracula, like, especially when he's going back and forth with Mina. They, like, they try to give him that bit of humanity because, you know, he, like, he's like, I cast away God because everything I've done for him and I kind of got screwed over. And so he's like, you know, on a crusade to just be crap and then (laughs) to just be evil and not not a nice guy. But then he realized he like sees me in his picture and he's like, oh, my love, she isn't gone forever. I have not been forsaken. I have to go get her and we need to be together. And so he, she's like, oh, I want to be with you. And he's like, yes, I want you to be with me. But then, you know, he has that like inner conflict. Well, I mean, it's not even inner. He like has it, he says it to her and he's like, I don't want to condemn you to live like this like it's torture he's like I don't want to do this to you because I love you and so it's like I feel like that's kind of why you do root for Dracula because like with Lucy he was just like I need another bride I guess who is also (laughs) this girl I like's best friend weird flex okay um so he like uh, clearly has no feelings for Lucy other than she's just hot and so but with Mina he's like I don't want to condemn you to this because I love you and I want you you're you are the light and clearly that's like that was a symbol because that's Van Helsing. He's like, you are the light of lights. Like you got to stay away from him because he's coming for you. And so it's like, he, he's like, I don't want to condemn you. And she's like, oh, but I need to be with you. And he's like, okay, fine. <laughs> but like, no, but like, okay, fine. And then like, they do the whole thing where they're there. And then she's the one who has to kill him. And at the end, which, and apparently they also did this on purpose at the end when his face changes and the lights on his face as he dies, that's supposed to symbolize that like, he like made peace with God and he can pass. Yeah. Down. Yeah. And and so I'm like, too at the end. And it's like, yeah, God, you're really going to forgive this guy. You just murdered like, all these people. But, like, yeah. I mean, that is the God that I believe in personally that like you all, like everyone gets to go to heaven at the end. So like, I'm not too worried about it, but I'm like, damn, he really got away with murder. He got to yeah. be horrible <laughs> for 400 years. And yeah, I, he said, my bad. Sorry. Yeah, My <laughs> bad man. Bad about my ex-girlfriend. Yeah, I was just really sad that you let my wife die. Like, that wasn't cool. And he's like, you know what? My bad. Get in here. Get in here, man. Let's hug it out. Give Jesus a hug. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good ending, though. It's like a peaceful, happy, good ending. Yeah, you're like, he's at peace. No one's a vampire anymore. Mina and Harker get to live together forever in London doing whatever. Not dealing with vampires. Yeah, I mean, God perhaps just doesn't see what we do in the shadows <laughs> to invoke <laughs> a, a, a certain phrase, st- steal a phrase. He, he said, <laughs> um, not my circus, not my monkeys. And, uh, I'm not doing that. I wasn't paying attention. I was listening to a podcast. What did you do down there? Yeah, I'm, he I'm started, making, yeah. he's like, I'm making possums. Okay. Yeah. I got corgis and possums to make. I don't have time for this. Yeah. <laughs> Once we come back into the world of the light, then then he'll pay attention. And sure, uh, you know, you, you can here's your ticket through the pearly gates. Uh, but yeah, I like how, <laughs> you know, Dracula describes he is the one who controls the storms and the wolves and, you know, the beast, the fog. He's uh, he's a creature of, of the earth and of the flesh. Um, and so it's, you know, he's sort of eschewed you know the spiritual things in favor of the carnal um yeah <laughs> fun times um you know this uh 
had a lot of good special features on it. The the Blu-ray that I purchased, and um, there's a, a fun little note at the end of one of the featurettes, which was uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins kind of commenting on his process and and sort of the the overall sensibility of the film and of like the whole vampire ethos this this fantasy this fantastical kind of larger than life dance of fates story where um you know he he almost in his um philosophy hopkins himself like views life as as a bit of an illusion as a bit of a uh an opera perhaps <laughs> um and uh and so, you know, it's it's fitting that we would have stories like this where things are, you know, they're presented in a way that are, you know, just so grand um, because life itself can function that way, um, or at least it has for him. You know, he's had this fantastic career that, you know, this illusion that is our waking life has tended to be rather dreamlike at least in in his case you know at times and i kind of like the ability for that uh, that film has to uh communicate that especially something like this where it's just it's very evocative and visually um creative mm -hmm. uh, so i looked it i looked it up apparently uh mina when she's recalling her past life as Elisabetta, apparently it is that she is like the reincarnation. That was like the, um, what they were going for. She <laughs> is the reincarnation. I like that. Yeah. that oh. Her torture, even not torture, but her like her back and forth, mm -hmm. as Philip would say, her, her dream like life more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even more understandable that she's so. Torn. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's like having, of course, especially because they were like married and stuff. And she was like so upset that he was possibly dead that she literally killed herself. So it's like, obviously, she had strong emotions. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I feel so alive. And it's like, so clearly, if if she was this past person, that makes a lot more sense. And it's less like weird and manipulative. Because yeah. like with Lucy, that was straight like, like manipulation, weird, uh, rapey vibes. I'm happy. But... <laughs> knowing. Like, yeah. Oh, and I, well, I also wanted to tell you, so dracula is loosely based off of vlad tippis who is mm -hmm. vlad the impaler but um he was known as draculia which means son of the dragon and earlier you said dragons so you were like partly right son of the dragon what can i say in the past life i knew, in the past life I knew. <laughs> yeah i wonder the aspect of elizabeth that had inhabited um you know, Mina, and I guess, you know, the just the machinations of fate, you know, allowing Dracula to, to see her portrait um, on the, um, I guess, in, was it the wallet or the locket that um, Parker had? Um, and I think um, you, you had this line at the beginning where the priest, you know, played by Anthony Hopkins says, well, <laughs> she's obviously down for eternity. That That's her penalty for committing suicide. You know, she's just automatically sent to hell. But uh, perhaps, you know, that wasn't a good move on his part. You know, 
he doesn't necessarily know that <laughs> this priest yeah. uh that only created further grief and and caused this spiral on the part of Vlad and then you know perhaps yeah elizabeth's um soul you know it's 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 not so cut and dry that she's now just being tormented within you know one of the seven nine however many circles of hell <laughs> um but rather you know there at least who knows how souls work maybe it's part maybe it's the whole thing it gets passed down through generations or you know, reincarnated in some fashion. I mean, yeah, that's uh, according to this uh, the storyline. Um, you know, clearly it wasn't so definitive that when when she committed suicide, that you know, this fate that was that was proclaimed by the priest was in fact, you know, the uh, the outcome. Yeah, he yeah. was like, he's like, ha, you're wrong, Romanian Orthodox man. <laughs> yeah, it just shows like how people are so certain in their proclamations. And, you know, perhaps that just isn't the case. So uh, something I want to talk about were the costumes. That was something I, I had like a mental note. The costumes were amazing. Like I was looking, there's like the, the first scene of Wilhelmina in Parker like talking to each other and I was like looking at how tiny her waist was mm. and I was like honestly if it wasn't so uncomfortable like corsets should come back like it looks, snatch it, it makes them look so like the outfits are so dramatic when they have that tight waist I agree like not healthy like not advocating for it but there is but, like something look how cute so yeah there's something like all just of so Lucy's outfits nice about it well I had my <laughs> my like costume <laughs> I liked the Dracula costumes because they had to not only like fashion him to be so so old and like so so young and like his little mustache and his glasses. The costuming all around was just great. I don't know oh, who... him. Oh, they so he so apparently uh, Francis Ford Coppola wanted to spend all of the budget on costumes. Mm. He wanted to do the movie like black box theater, <laughs> yeah. no sets, and the production company was like absolutely not. You need to have sets. And so they like forced him to not use his whole budget on costumes because he was like, these people, they're jewels. The the actors are jewels. And we need to put all this like beautiful clothing, period clothing, because, you know, that makes the movie. If the costumes aren't right, the movie's not good. But they were like, no, 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 no. Like you. So like most of their stuff was done on sound stages. They weren't really done like in like city. Oh, so these were like they were sound sets, like these mm -hmm. scenes for the most part were built sets well they yeah. looked amazing as well i mean they didn't yeah really any part of that production because i didn't know that they didn't fly all around the world to film all these scenes you know what i mean yeah well like the the scene where she cuts his head off that apparently was filmed three weeks before the movie released that was something added later because they were like oh like according to vampire lore this is how you like free them uh -huh. And so they were like, you need to have it where she cuts his head off. So that's why she cuts his head off at the end. They added imagine, that part. Can you imagine being the producers and they're like, okay, we know the movie's coming out <laughs> weeks, but we really think that this scene is going to... And can you imagine having a director say, I want to spend literally 90% of the budget on costumes? Does it? Does anyone know how much this <laughs> cost back then? I mean, 
I have no, I actually didn't look that up. Yeah, I, I this is the first time I didn't have to pull up IMBD to like help me out. So yeah, I already, because I, everyone's so like established. I'm like, I yeah. know who everyone is. Um, well, and I didn't realize like looking back, like I didn't know Gary Oldman was in so many things until I became like, which when I was like a teenager and he was in Harry Potter and he was in Batman. Oh. That's when I like, he was serious black. That's who he was in Harry Potter. Yeah, he's serious black. Yes, I had no idea. I was like, wait, I was like, so he, and then he was um Gordon in Batman. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh wait, he's the guy in the Fifth Element. He's the guy in Dracula. He's the guy in Silence of the Lambs with that messed up face. I was shook. Uh, I was like, I didn't know that Gary Oldman has been in so many things. But yeah, I like. It's wild how much stuff Winston, yeah, Winston Churchill, Darkest Hour. He was just in. He was just in Oppenheimer. uh, Harry Truman. Yeah. No. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah. The uh, costume designer. I mean, also did work as a production designer, but like, I think she's primarily known for costume design though throughout her career. Aiko Ishioka, um, totally just revolutionary look to this film uh you know like that bright red armor at the beginning it's just it's so yeah. uh striking and I iconic yeah everything well, like his um his outfit when he's like you know young and hot in london mm-hmm. like i remember seeing that and i was like hello because you know when he's old dracula he's like in a nightgown and a robe flying flitting about the castle robe <laughs> I know, but I was like, I was like, is this man in like old people pajamas and his, <laughs> with his, his really long braid? Hair. Yeah. Well, he has that like big, the big thing, like the queen of hearts. And then when he turns around, his braid is literally like to the ground. I was like, man, that's a wig that they, they did the most with that wig. Um, but so the budget for the movie was $40 million and wow. it made $215 million worldwide. It saved Coppola and George Lucas's production company, American Zotrope. Zotrope? Okay, from bankruptcy, apparently. Yeah, so it was a hit when it came out. I, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they said it was uh, probably one of the most successful projects of his career outside of like The Godfather. Right, which I have not seen. Well, so you've never seen The Godfather? I, know. I don't even like, mob, says like mafia things, do. but you when should Phillip watch says- them. Yeah, when Philip says like the podcast is covering it, I, I will watch it because I, I didn't even realize <laughs> this was the same director and now I am actually more interested. Yeah, well, Winona Ryder was supposed to be in the third Godfather, but she had to back out uh, due to her health. And so apparently mm-hmm. she thought that he didn't like her. For, she didn't think that Coppola liked her because she had to back out because he ended up putting his daughter in the film in that role. But when he was doing Dracula, he was like, I want you to be Mina. That's who I want you to be. And she was like, oh, so you don't hate me okay cool because I thought you hated me because I mean she was only 19 at the she time when she, say, yeah, she was in- so young um the visual effects too were overseen by uh Francis Ford Coppola's son Roman Coppola and that's a name that was brought up recently on the Thodcast he is a creative partner for a lot of um well uh, he, you know Wes Wes Anderson he's a collaborator with Wes Anderson 
and most recently on Asteroid City. Uh, I think a co-writer and executive producer on that. And then he's done a lot of, um, you know, Roman Coppola's directed a lot of um, music videos over the years. So he just has a very distinctive visual style. He was the second unit director on Dracula and grew up in the business. So he certainly had all the credentials to, you know, to basically slide into the role and uh, and be the kind of decision maker when it came to this movie's sort of noteworthy choice to not or forego a lot of the newer uh, innovations in visual effects and, and rather keep things a bit more in camera, practical, uh, you know, lo-fi, if you will, but in, in just such a artistically compelling way. Um, yeah, they, they didn't have to blow their budget on a bunch of fancy new digital effects or um, kind of newfangled, um, you know, optical uh, printing technology, but rather they, uh, they just kind of did things out on their own. And Roman Coppola was largely to thank for that. And then later would go on to help define the look, I think, of of many Wes Anderson films. Um, you know, for example, The Train, you know, it's, that's all a uh, miniature. And it was the same for Asteroid, you know, The Train in Asteroid City. It was a, a miniature train. And, um, so kind of a, yeah, a similar vibe uh, between the two, despite uh, <laughs> a much different color palette. I was going to say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put two and two together, mm -hmm. but they're both very highly stylized. So he has a lot of expertise with that. I mean, the whole thing really flows, the costumes, the music, we could probably even talk about the music, but all of it comes together for a really great film here. So they all did their part. This team really meshed well. Well, yeah, and that's like, and even like the actors, like I know you were saying that apparently Winona Ryder and like Oldman didn't get along but they were like I guess Oldman was like so concerned that they would end up being like campy like vampire campy that he was like I want the reactions to be real and or like when they're like shocked they're actually shocked and when they're scared they're actually scared but apparently he would like say naughty things or do like naughty things like not not like gross but he would yeah. do things to get like a shock out of people so like when he sees uh Mina for the first time in London and she's like like looking at him like why is this man staring at me <laughs> and she kind of like is like like rude to him um well apparently he like grabbed a croquette off of like oh, yeah. one of the carts so when she turns to look at him for the first time apparently he had it like in front of his groin <laughs> and she was like yeah yeah and it, like, zucchini, she was like oh. yeah yeah she's like oh yeah. god what and apparently he did the same thing with like the scenes with lucy because he's like I need to get a real reaction out of her and we're already doing like some really off stuff in the scenes with them so he was like yeah I would like you know do things to get a shock out of her because that's kind of what they need and they don't want it to seem forced um well and, and when he's like the vampire after Mina's like licked all the blood off of him and whatever and they like bust in apparently he got to say something to them because that was like his main when he's like a creature that's he's like I don't want it to be campy and look like stupid 
So he didn't think he was scary. So he got to like say something to all the guys. And that's why they like look terrified when they like, he's like a big bat, like bat monster thing. Um, But yeah, he apparently got to just like pop off at the mouth do whatever to get people to do what he needed them to do in the movie it it seems like sometimes it could come off as like a little weird or like sometimes even unethical but that kind of thing really does pay off I remember when we talked about the shining and to get the wife to feel like she's actually drained and terrified like they were running that scene like 83 times in a row to finally get to that point of like you believe that this woman is literally falling apart at the seams and so it it pays off to have these people you know I mean it pays off for the viewer at least and it yeah, sounds like I was I mean, say because I'm pretty sure after that movie she did not she was not well mentally after that movie yeah and it sounds like with Dracula with old men like it wasn't anything to that extent but you yeah you do sometimes I feel like get creative as an artist and try to push the limits to have make the best product possible well yeah and that was something else I read um for his in like emotionally intense scenes where he's like crying and stuff he apparently his he had a newborn he had a newborn son and he would keep a picture of him for those scenes so that he could like conjure up emotions that seemed legit um because like he didn't necessarily he was like Dracula was never like you know a bucket list kind of movie for him but he read the script and the line I've crossed oceans of time to find you he was like I have to say it He's like, I have to say that line. He was like, it was so poetic and romantic that I was like, I have to be in this movie. You are going to let me in this movie and I'm going to be in it. I will be in this movie. So I'm like, yes, Gary Oldman was like perfect for this film. Honestly, like I think everyone was like Anthony Hopkins, perfect Van Helsing. And honestly, like he had done Silence of the Lambs the year before that. And he honestly looked so much younger with hair. Because he looked a lot older as Hannibal Lecter, which I'm like, it could be makeup. But he looked so much younger in this movie, even though Liam Neeson wanted to be Van Helsing. I could been... see that too. That would have been interesting. Like Johnny Depp and Liam Neeson in switching out into these roles. I mean, we're obviously all happy with how it ended up, but it, it do, does make you curious. Like when you think of these iconic casts, like how it might have played out differently with someone else, but we'll never know. We'll never know. Yeah. Well, they also considered Christian Slater for Harker, which I was like, that would have been weird because I remember him. Like I watched him in the Heathers and a million other things. And I'm like, gosh, I would, has he ever been someone British in anything? I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter, but (laughs) I don't think this one, it mattered. They, they, they taught them all the accents before. (laughs) And what I I like that they had like the one American country man. Yeah, just oh, random. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, partner. Here's Billy me with Campbell. my gun. Yeah. So, <laughs> the Rocketeer. Yeah, he's in yeah. some other things. Yeah. Well, uh, I didn't realize the guy from The Princess Bride was also in this movie. Oh, he was yeah. Quincy. Yeah. Handsome. Uh, Carrie something. Carrie, Carrie Elwes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that was him. I was like, man, and all these people I never knew until yeah. like now. <laughs> it really is. It's a stacked cast. Um, and I'm surprised all the budget didn't just go to all of them. <laughs> I guess they made less back then. Well, the the kind budget, of. yeah, it wasn't super inflated. Yeah, the yeah. the scrappy kind of nature of the visuals to the fact that, like the the whole like black box conceit of the initial idea, you know, the genesis of this film from Coppola himself. I mean, he had a, his own like special connection to Dracula, so he. 
he wanted to do the adaptation. Um, you know, he said like as a camp counselor, he would read Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula to kids at night. Um, and yeah, it was just something that was a part of his upbringing. Um, but that would have been wild. Like I suppose there are probably movies out there that are kind of like that. They're just this very pared down. Wasn't there like a black and white uh, Shakespeare movie that came out recently hamlet or something i or um yeah uh, macbeth macbeth i would say was it macbeth yeah i was like i was was pretty sure there's a macbeth movie i have not seen it but but just like some of these Uh, odd yeah the tragedy of macbeth with denzel washington it's like something like that you know it it, uh it's sort of an odd take on the material uh, you know, done by prestigious filmmakers uh, and and casts, um, but probably little, you know, not seen by a wide audience. Looks like this tragedy of Macbeth is on Apple TV. If you want to, stream. yeah, I don't think, like, I I had heard briefly that there was one, uh, but I had no idea that like Denzel Washington was in it. Yeah, honestly, very stripped was- down. Yeah. Yeah, when I feel like with everything, you know, being so heavily like CGI and stuff nowadays, like like maybe it'd be refreshing to mm-hmm. see like it's basically just a stage performance mm-hmm. in a movie. But it is kind of cool, like how the movie yeah. still is evocative of that. You know, this, this yeah. Dracula movie, it does feel perhaps it's not sound stagey necessarily in a bad like because there's no way you could really capture that. You know. Uh, mid or um, what's the it's not really victorian is it edwardian late victorian edwardian yeah edwardian? i would say yeah. edwardian is probably a better because it's not necessarily victorian it's a bit after that because they had like car well they didn't have cars they had like, fancier carriages <laughs> like when the girls eat the horse i was like that's not nice why'd you guys have to kill the horse the movie still feels big but yeah certain sequences you can tell there's a, a bit of an artistic tinge uh, Ew, yeah yeah a hyper reality well, like, yeah it's like you're like you feel like it's a real place but then mm-hmm. there's other aspects where it's like this does not this feels like otherworldly almost at times mm-hmm. um even though his aesthetic when he's young dracula very much reminds me of wild wild west <laughs> i don't know if you guys watch that movie or remember it but there's a guy that has the tiny glasses and longer hair and that's all i can think of when i see him like that mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a picture of him pulled up, and I'm like, man, he really reminds me of that guy from Wild Wild West. A Klein, I just uh, was Kevin too. Klein, or no? Uh, I could see it. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's a, it's that vibe because it was very much like that time frame too, and he just has yeah. like the little glasses. That's right. Um, yeah, Kevin Klein and Wild Wild West kind of has that um that vibe <laughs> well and then the villain the, the villain also kind of had the same kind of vibe oh sure with the longer curly yes. hair and the weird glasses his name Kenneth is dr Brennan. arliss loveless yeah yeah with no legs <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and that's why i was like every time i see him it's just, i think it's just the glasses the glasses send me i'm like i know that they're wow. like aesthetic but like it's great <laughs> So yeah, um, so basically everything I took from this movie is that we need to start dressing like that again. It's going to be really inconvenient and hot, but like, it's so cute. Yeah. Oh. Went... <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I was screenshotting the guy with the glasses. Not you guys, don't worry. <laughs> be interested to see a movie like this take off really big in today's movie landscape. Um, 
because it would be much more of an indie film, an indie style film for something that looked like this to get made. Uh, you know, you, you have a bit more pared down style film, like thinking of like the green Knight from David Lowry or some of these eight twenty four films, you know, they, they don't quite go, you know, overboard on the visual effects and they're able to do so on a, a bit of a lesser budget, even like the creator that came out recently, had a fairly modest budget compared to what the you know what a similar film might cost from uh you know that's trying to accomplish the same thing visually as that film does but i i think it was just the director gareth Ed, um edwards who has a, a very planned out method uh for capturing you know grandiose visuals allowed them to um to achieve a 80 million dollar budget level for that film um and yeah it's, we're gonna have to see that more and more with the way that i think um audiences are just desensitized now to to spectacle in a way and, and franchises yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah so i i'm excited well, I, I feel for like the last yeah, yeah. Well, like the last one, like honestly, the last movie that I was excited to see, that I wanted to see, that I then that I really enjoyed watching was probably Barbie. So I'm like, we that just gotta, too. yeah, yeah. Greta so... Gerwig, I need you to make Dracula. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, Not... how great would that be, though? Yeah, that'd be really fun. All done. I'm like, I'm like, you're an indie, you're an indie gal. Get, get on Dracula. Do an old school Dracula for me. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, you know, the visual effects are are not just so overbearing that, um, you know, it just gets exhausting. Uh, something like Barbie or Oppenheimer even, or Asteroid City. Um, all right. Well, anything else to cover here on, on Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992? Nothing. Unless, I, I think mean, so. Yeah. We, we, should go watch it because no. it's great. Yeah. There's Thank no spoilers because it came out 31 years yeah. ago. So <laughs> I, I was I was an infant when this movie came out. So if you guys haven't watched it, you should. Yeah, thank you both so much. Everything. Uh, <laughs> this is awesome. Um, yeah, delving into some visual and metaphorical concepts and I don't know. I'll I'll have to trim out some of my uh, pontificating <laughs> from earlier in the episode. It's just got a little too much, I think. But oh well, I I'll recover from it. It's uh it'll be fine. It's a it was a fun ride, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Bridget and Jody, for for doing this. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, final thoughts. If you want to plug social media, go ahead. Otherwise, I'll uh, I'll sign off for the episode uh well my this is bridget uh <laughs> my instagram it's bridget that's bridge with a t five two four six and this movie 10 out of 10 so watch it be team vampire 10 out of 10 definitely like a <laughs> holiday tradition for valentine's day or halloween like i said earlier and as far as social media you can find me here because i'm about to have a baby and i don't have time to post <laughs> anywhere ever except for I'll always have time for the podcast. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Thoughtcast.com, at Thoughtcast on Twitter and Instagram, and at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me, Philip Elke. 
And this is for everyone listening to the Thodcast Conversations about Animation and you, Bridget, and you, Jody. Uh, thank you so much. Have a magical day. Have a wonderful week. Warm hugs.